I, I really had to prove to myself that I could do it. And I think growing up, you know, I have ADHD and dyslexia and it's always been a struggle to even achieve something in school. I was, I was that kid that. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Adrian Watkins, and we're back again with another special episode. We have the one and only Marita Espada, and uh, she's here doing big things. Uh, she's originally from Puerto Rico, and um, she, she's here to share, us, share with us her journey and some of her keys to her success. Um, so, uh, Marita, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me here. Doing good, doing good. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess... Um, you know, for the listeners, I guess, can you just give us a little backstory about yourself? You know, who, who it is you are and what it is that you do? Sure. So I was born and raised in Puerto Rico and um, was going to school there, doing college and whatnot, and started navigating through what I wanted to do. So I started doing a little bit of music and did that local scene for a little bit of, of time and um, met, ended up meeting someone that was working in technology and really talking to them. I was like, this is something that I want to do. So I started going to school to do that. And um, I was like 23 around that age. Um, but being from Puerto Rico, like the island doesn't have as much opportunity as, you know, going to mainland and going to like a place like San Francisco or New York. Uh-huh. So I ended up trying to figure out what I wanted to do and in, in reading and figuring out things, the social network, the Mark Zuckerberg movie came out. Uh-huh. So I was reading that book and while I was working and studying and, and she's trying to hustle in the island and it really kind of changed my mind. And I was like, I really need to leave Puerto Rico and go to Silicon Valley. Like that's where I need to be because things are going to start happening there. Um, so I didn't have a lot of money being a student. I didn't have any experience. I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. But um, I ended up selling everything that I had. I sold all my furniture. I was renting an apartment, sold everything and bought a, a set of three suitcases. And that was all I took with me. So it was three suitcases, <laughs> wow. my Xbox and my laptop. And I was like, I had, I had a possible job offer at the time. Um, she's doing some tech recruiting, just helping this company find candidates because they usually don't know what they're looking for. They just want to make money and fill those positions. So they need people who know what they're doing. And, um, and I was like, I'm just going to do that for now. And that is going to be a stepping stone in Silicon Valley for me. But I didn't have an apartment. Mm-hmm. So I ended up staying in this. Just, it was such a crappy hotel. <laughs> it was this crappy hotel in Mission Street in San Francisco until I found an apartment. And in doing that, I ended up finding a startup and ended up finding work through that recruiting company myself. So I left them and started working and hustling in the startup industry and, you know, built a name for myself in Silicon Valley, just getting to know more people and trying to build businesses. And in one of those times, I was trying to build something called um, Skills to Share. And it's basically like a bartering system. And I pitched it, got a little bit of money to build that business and um, ended up pivoting that into something else and grew that into being something called Toolwasher and did that for a while. And um, I really, I, you were going to ask me something. Yeah, I was going to say, this is your company? Yeah. So I started, wow. I started okay. doing Skillshare and, and Toolwasher was something along the lines. It was just basically helping small startup find the tools that they need to grow, whether it is marketing tools, whether it is support, technical support tools and synchronizing that. Because usually startups, 
they're like, we don't have money. So they're going to go with the free tools, right? They're going to go with like maybe a, a version of SunDesk to support technical support that is free or using MailChimp instead of ConvertKit because, you know, there's a significant gap in how much money, you know, they have a budget. So I was helping them kind of synchronize all those tools in a successful way and within their budget and gathering data that was going to help them grow in sales and grow their company. So I built Skillshare to a certain point in, in Silicon Valley, but um, I ended up stepping away from that and growing a little bit more Tool Watcher and in realizing that I, I love entrepreneurship. I love building things. I really became you know, known in Silicon Valley and in the tech industry um, for helping and basically just trying to train other people as well. And I realized that I, even though I have that entrepreneur spirit, that I didn't really want to focus on building a service or a product. I wanted to just help people. And that's how I came into podcasting myself and created the Turning Point Podcast where I'm just interviewing influencers, creatives, and entrepreneurs and giving them the tools to help each other. And eventually I'm going to uh, create, go kind of segue into taking the Turning Point Podcast into an actual business where I help people kind of create their own podcast and publishing and how do you get started and how to basically use your personal brand to grow your business. That is my goal with the podcast. Nice, nice. So kind of like along the lines of uh, um, uh, social media, like a social media agency type thing, but it's, instead of, it's like a podcast and agency. Pretty exactly. Because like nowadays, and um, you know, I was interviewing John Danes the other day in, in my podcast, and it's like he's saying, sometimes you build a business and then you end up selling that business, but then you want to build something else. Mm-hmm. But then no one knows you right? Because if you didn't create a personal brand and you sold that business, maybe there's a TechCrunch uh, article or some other article saying that you sold that business and you made money. Mm-hmm. But if you ever want to start anything else, if you don't have a personal brand, you're going to start probably from ground zero again. Mm-hmm. If you have nice. your own podcast, if you have your own personal brand, something, you can continue to build businesses and sell them and you don't really have to start from the ground up. So I, I really noticed that as doing my podcast. Initially, when I started the podcast, it was just like, I'm just going to do this as a size puzzle and just build something because I'm having a blast talking to people that as, they are as passionate as I am. And in doing the podcast more and more, I realized this, this could be my business. My business could be helping people build their podcast to grow their personal brand so that they could continue in business themselves. Nice, nice, man. You just dropped a, a mouthful just a while, just a, a second ago. Like that's a major key, and um, I, I just like it, it kind of just sink, you know, clicked with me like a few months ago as far as building that. How valuable it is to have a personal brand. Um, I, I started listening to uh, Gary V recently, oh, yeah, and um, he, he's big on that building that personal brand, and it's it's so true because if you look at it like you know all of these famous athletes, famous. Um, rappers or whoever, you know what I mean? Um, um, you know, they, they start multiple businesses because they have that. And most of the time, not like eight out of 10 businesses that they start up, they're successful because they have that personal brand or a fan base. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's, 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 that's a major key that you just said as far as building a personal brand. So that's awesome. So I, w- I wanted to go into uh, touch a little bit more on, on like your background. You know, you said you're from Puerto Rico. Like when did you, when was it like, what, how did your, what was your childhood like? You know what I mean? How did you, um, like, when did you realize that you had a passion for technology and, and, and what made you decide to move from Puerto Rico to Silicon Valley in California? 
I was, I was always, maybe not in technology, but as a, as a child, you know, I came from a middle-class family. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't struggle in the island, but, you know, we weren't rich, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always had that kind of little hustler in me. Um, I like to tell the story because I think it's hilarious. But so <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was young, we didn't travel a lot for vacations come summertime. The island's really small, so if you even wanted to do a road trip, it probably takes you like three hours, four hours to get from one point of the island to the other. Wow. And my family, we did a lot of staycations. We would go to a hotel, maybe do like the pool, but we were still on the island. And you know, moms, moms hoard her stuff. So my mom would take shampoos and conditioners and lotions and whatnot. And one time I was like maybe like nine and, and I wanted to buy a pair of sneakers. I think it was like the Michael Jordans back then, the ones that were like white and like a black trim yeah, with yeah. like the Michael Jordan, like in red, like one of the first ones probably. And uh, I didn't have money. And so I took a bunch of those little lotions and stuff and put them in a shoebox and went house by house and started selling them for like a quarter or like a, or wow. whatever people wanted to give me. Yeah. And, um, and even selling, I'm not really, I don't think I'm a great salesperson, but even then I think I had like the shops to be like a salesperson because yeah, yeah. I would tell them, well, having you run out of shampoo sometimes and they have to run to the store. So if you buy this, you won't have to do that. Ooh. So I ended up selling them. <laughs> and then my mom comes into my room. I was just counting dollar bills in my bed and she's, where did you get that? And I was like, I was just selling shampoos and stuff in the street. So how, how old were you at that time? like nine nine years yeah. old wow man so you it was, was it was in you <laughs> it was in me all the time and like technology was always a thing because I was I was always really good at kind of putting things together I I'm now working in software more but I used to do hardware stuff mm-hmm. and I didn't think I was going to go into computers I I when I was younger I had it flipped over I really loved music and I play guitar and I thought that was going to be my career and the tech thing was going to be my hobby. And as I got older, I realized that I needed to flip that, that I could make a lot of money in a significant, you know, in a really good career working in tech um, and then just maybe have music as my hobby. And, and that's how it happened. That's how I, I got really interested in technology to the point where, you know, I started doing kind of account management stuff in tech companies, not really being basically a, a, an engineer or coding or anything like that. And then I moved into being more of a technical account manager because people were giving me the opportunity and I was rising up to it. And then I did a coding bootcamp and then I started doing coding and building projects and building things. And, and then eventually to the point where I'm a cybersecurity um, engineer now. And that's, that's what I do during the day. But it took a lot of work because when I was doing that boot camp, I was going at night. So I was working a full day after work. I would run. So I would leave the house like at seven. I wouldn't be back until like 10 at night. Wow. And so it was rough and figuring out coding is not easy. So, but I built a, a solid career in that that I love because I love tech, but I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship. So I've always been trying to find a balance between both. Um, but as, as a young as a young chicken, you know, in Puerto Rico, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, tech, I was always good at tech. And it was my mom, actually, it was like, you should do something in tech professionally. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I really should pursue it. Right. So when, when, you, when you moved to Silicon Valley, right, um, how, how long did it take you to actually, because you said you were living in a hotel, right? You didn't yeah. have anything. You just had those three suitcases. Yeah. Um, and you were by yourself. You didn't have any like brothers or no, didn't know I didn't, anybody, no. right? So my entire family is in Puerto Rico. And my brother recently moved to Florida because of the hurricane. But if not, he would still be there. 
Mm-hmm. So when I moved, no one wanted me to move because they're like, if you move, why don't you move to like New York? Right, like, right. No, close. It, it, it would take you about 24 hours to get to San Francisco from the island because you had to do two flights. Right. So, yeah, I, I didn't know anyone. I had done an internship for two months prior to moving. Um, so I knew the area, but I didn't know anyone. So, so how, I, long, I, how, how long did it take you to land at like to experience a little glimpse of success? You know what I mean? A, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, it from? took me a while. It took probably like almost a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, so Not between crazy that long, but you know, so between that like year and a half, I'm sure there's a lot of like, there was times where you, you know, where you were like, man, I feel like giving back, giving up. Should I move back to Puerto Rico? Yeah. Like what, what, what was that? Like, what was your why? What was that? Um, You know, what, what kept you staying positive? You know what I mean? And kept pushing and, and, and trying to stay persistent and, and achieving your goals. Like what, what was that? Why? So I I really had to prove to myself that I could do it. And I think growing up, you know, I have ADHD and dyslexia and it's always been a struggle to even achieve something in school. I was I was that kid that, you know, went through school with C's and I couldn't stay put because the classroom really was boring to me. I wanted to be outside, you know, selling shampoos, you know, <laughs> figuring right. out how to hustle outside. It wasn't school wasn't for me. So when I graduated, all I would hear when I was a kid is like, you're going to be a loser. You're not going to achieve anything. Because when I, back then, you know, I graduated high school in, in two, 2004. Back then, entrepreneurship wasn't a thing like it was now. It wasn't really nurtured at all, especially in the island. Because in the island, what made you money was the traditional jobs, being a lawyer, being a doctor. So when I moved to San Francisco, a lot of people, even some people in my family were like, you're going to end up coming back here in six months. Uh-huh. And I knew I wanted to prove them wrong and I wanted to prove myself wrong because sometimes I had doubts about, am I going to go back? Uh-huh. I don't have family. And, and when I was working at that recruiting company, they let me go. I didn't, I didn't find, I found a job because I doing research, I found that startup that hired me later, but I was two months without a job. Uh-huh. And those two months were rough. Like I tell people, you know, I would buy a bag of rice, spam, eggs, toast, butter. And that's all I would eat until I found that job. Cause I had, I had to count my dollars. San Francisco is super expensive. Right. And then I started like walking dogs on the side until I found that job. So wow. every single moment in Silicon Valley was really a struggle to figure it out. And I wanted to give up. I was like, I need to go back home. I'm going to run out of money. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until that one startup hired me that I started making some money. And through them, I started going to like Google and doing like presentations. Like people in that startup, I really, I'm really grateful because they gave me the opportunity to show what I could do. And sometimes they would be like, can you do this thing? And I was like, I really don't know how to do that, but I'm going to tell them I know. And then I would go home and figure it out. And, you know, while people were partying, I would party like at least once a week to just kind of get the stress away. But Sunday nights were studying night. And it was just me and my computer trying to teach myself things and go on Monday and be like, oh, yeah, you remember that thing you wanted me to do? Here it is. Like, I would just figure out a way to do it. And even though I love Gary Vee, he's always like, don't fake it until you make it. It worked for me. Right, right, right. So right. I, with that thing, I, do, I don't agree because I, I faked it. A lot, in right. San, a lot of the times in San Francisco, I was really faking it. Right. And eventually, you know, I figured yeah, I it out. I don't really, I mean, I, I, I kind of see what he's saying, but I, I agree with you. Like, 
I feel like, cause I, I don't look at it as faking it. You know what I mean? I look at it as affirming and, um, cause at the end of the day, you have to, in order to be somebody, you have to kind of act like that person in order to become that person, if that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. You know what I mean? So if you want to be a CEO, you kind of got to start acting like a CEO to become a CEO. So you have to you know, be a leader. Not, you, have right. to, you have to study leaders if you want to become one and then work towards that. And, and that's what every time I interview someone that has been successful, like I had an entrepreneur that actually made a deal with Damon John. He was like, I had to keep at it. And he didn't know what he was doing at the beginning. And But he studied people and he studied people that he admired. And then you, you know, there's, I don't, I don't think there's a blueprint from, for success. People that try to sell those things, I don't really believe in them because everyone has different circumstances. Uh-huh. And sometimes it is about being in the right place at the right time. But you create your own blueprint, right? And studying other people really helps. So I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I, I think there's, there's, I want to say there's a, uh, well, there might be a blueprint, but I think there's more of like a um, key ingredients, you know what I mean? Exactly. That every successful people have, you know, like for example, your story, um, you know, a, a lot of people would have, would have gave up, you know what I mean? And that's a big, like success, the road to success isn't just a straight line up, you know what I mean? There's ups and downs and you know what I mean? There's valleys, there's, there's everything, there's road bumps. So um, a, a lot of people, they can't, stick through those hard times you know what i mean and 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 to even it's like that picture you know to see when a guy's digging and and he gives up and there's like the diamonds all the diamonds is right right you know what i mean if you would have kept digging a little bit more you would have had all the gold so you know you just got to stay persistent man and and the biggest thing is having a why you know why are you doing this you know what i mean whether it's to prove your family wrong or to prove yourself wrong you know what i mean you got to focus in on that why and you know and push through those hard times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and you know, it was hard being in, in Silicon Valley. And back then, um, I was so focused on growing as a person and, you know, and growing in my career and then eventually trying to have like a business or something of my own or a side hustle that became a business that would give me some sort of additional income. Um, and I met my now wife there and we had a long distance relationship for a year. And, eventually I had to, you know, she lived in, in Jersey. I was like, should I relocate to New York? But that meant that now I'm going to go to a big city again and start from the ground up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I went to New York and then I struggled here. I struggled here to kick off my career again because no one knew me here. So I'm trying to kick off my career in New York. And now, you know, I'm working for a really good tech company. You know, I, when I went to the, when I started this company, it was a private com- it was a private company and, you know, I was part of their big IPO now and I was a public company. So, you know, and, and career wise, I grew a lot. And personally in, in business, I did too, because having, you know, going through growing Skillshare and doing Toolwasher and then now doing my podcast has really taught me a lot of valuable things. So mm-hmm. it's all about keep learning, keep growing. Awesome. So, I mean, that, that brings us to a, a good point you know, to transition, I guess, what, what are some of the things that you're working on right now currently? Like, what do you have, in, what do you have cooking up right now? Um, you know, what, 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 what are you, what are you doing right now currently? Cause I know you said you sold, you sold your prior business, right? So no, I kind of closed the shop on that one. Okay. I made, I made some money. I grew it for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then I really wanted to go into engineering and give that a shot. But I, because I always have that entrepreneurship spirit, I knew I would come back to it. So 
I, I kind of paused it for a bit and grew my career to a really solid point that if I ever want to invest in being an entrepreneur again, now I can afford it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself in a position of having to eat spam and rice and, <laughs> and bread again and all that stuff. Now I'm in a good solid spot. Um, so as of now, so I'm doing the podcast, but I'm, I'm working a lot of, of really good um, projects on the side with the podcast. You know, I'm going to bring in now Anthony O'Neill from Ramsey Solutions, which I don't, I've, I don't know if you've heard of Ramsey Solutions, but it's like Dave Ramsey. Who's just, Dave Ramsey. I know yeah, Dave. Mm-hmm. He's huge in the financial um, I don't know, industry, I guess he's, he's kind of a, like a mentor for young people. So mm-hmm. Anthony O'Neill works for him in Ramsey Solutions. He's a personality there uh, alongside with like Chris Hogan, who's another great guy kind of teaching people how to manage their money and their financials. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview him now. I'm interviewing a lot, of, a lot of people that are pretty big in the entrepreneurship space and helping people. So I'm going to work with other podcasters as well and other people that I know that are growing their YouTube channel significantly to do giveaways, to kind of bring in people together. I do want to grow uh, the Turning Point podcast to a point where um, I can maybe monetize that as a side business, like I said. So the big projects that I think I'm working right now is just basically working with other podcasters and YouTubers that really have a significant audience and how we can help each other to kind of monetize that and grow that because at the end of the day, I do, I would love to make a lot of money with the turning point podcast, but I do this now because a lot of it is my passion work. A lot of it is my side hustle, Mm -hmm. but I will make money because it's just, it's just, it's happening right now with, you know, I've, I have a Skillshare sponsorship where you can take um, courses and whether it is on productivity or whether it is on, you know, photography and I make money out of that when people sign up for the courses. So there is money coming in with a podcast. It's just I want to grow it to where it be, really becomes something that is not only a podcast. It is helping people grow, their, like I said, their personal brand. But there is a lot of projects cooking up. There's a lot of people that I'm going to have that are going to be really good. So who's been your favorite? But first off, what is your uh, name of your – I know it's turning, it's turning Point, right? It's the name of your show? Turning Point Podcast, yep. All right, guys. So if you want to check her uh, podcast out, definitely um, tune in. This on Apple Podcasts, all all platforms. Spotify, Stitcher, TurningPointPodcast.com will take you to anywhere. So awesome, awesome, awesome. So who's some of uh, like who, who's like some of your favorite interviews that you had on your show? I've had some great people. <laughs> the good thing about this is like I have entrepreneurs, right? They build their business, but I also have a lot of creatives and influencers that are trying to do great things in their space. So it's hard to pick because they. They're not from different industries. They're just their life lessons and their experience is so different and unique. Um, I do have to say that probably one of my favorites is Mike Watts. And he's, he's the guy that struck the deal with Damon John because he actually applied for Chart Tank and he didn't get in. Like he did the whole process. Like there is so many stages. You have to fill up that paperwork that takes forever. And then they kind of vet you through that. And then you come in and do another interview. And then they bring you into the actual thing that we see on TV, where it's like they're filming them and you're sitting with the charts and all this kind of stuff. And he didn't get to that step. But then one day he saw Damon, uh, his company bought his product. And he saw that it came from one of Damon's companies. And he's like, I need to start sending products to those people. So he started in the very low level. He started sending the products to like his assistants and stuff like that. And the ball got rolling to the point where he got invited. And he ended up meeting like Mark Cuban. He ended up meeting Damon John. He ended up making a deal with him. 
And, you know, now he's also his mentor. Like they talk, you know, they're, they're friends. And it's expiring because he started the same way. He was, he had his nine to five. He, he was thinking there has to be more to this. I don't want to do my nine to five anymore. And started going to like flea markets and, and things over the weekend with his wife and selling things. And his parents had a little business too, where they were selling products. So he was actually just literally, he didn't hit the ground running. He tripped a lot of times and, you know, and figuring that out was definitely hard for him, but it's, it's an inspiration because this guy was working a nine to five and now he has million dollar companies and, you know, has met really successful, you know, billionaires that have multiple businesses. And now he gets to not only grow his business and make money, but learn from them. Like you can't, you can't put a price on that. So I think that was one of my favorites just because the, the whole journey is so amazing. And, um, I had Apple Kreider too. He's, I think he's amazing too. Cause he's like 19 or 20 and he's like teaching people about podcasting, right. <laughs> businesses, funnels. Like if you hear the podcast, just the way that he speaks, you would have never guessed that he's a kid. Right. Yeah. yeah. We had, um, we had him on the show about, I think, oh yeah, we had him on the show as well. And he's oh, like, yeah. yeah, he's great, man. <laughs> a lot of, he drops a, like a lot of knowledge, man. And you're, you're absolutely right, man. You wouldn't even be able to tell he's like 20. I think he's 20 years old. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, man, super cool guy, man. Definitely go check out your show. So I guess what are some like key takeaways, you know, from, you know, that you would, or some advice that you would share with our listeners for, you know, anybody that's looking to be aspire to be a, entrepreneur or um you know take that leap of faith and move to you know wherever they you know like maybe they want to move from their hometown to california or las vegas or new york you know what i mean what kind of uh, advice would you give those to, to to those listeners that are listening i think one i you know i read mark cuban's book during the process of moving to san francisco and it was funny because a lot of the things that he said I was doing without knowing because I was reading the book at that time. And a lot of it's like, if you're young, take all these opportunities at that time, you know, leave very cheap, you know, try to, you know, um, stay in someone's house, sleep in their couch. Don't really try to play this game of like, I need an Audi and I need so much money and start taking pictures on Instagram, kind of flipping my <laughs> like, no, don't do that. Just leave like with whatever you have, stay in someone's couch. Take those opportunities because the older you get, you're going to have more responsibilities and those opportunities might not be as open to you as they might be now. And take the leap of faith and go. Like a lot of people are scared of getting out of their comfort zone, but what's the worst that can happen? You go back home. No one can think you're a failure because you're doing something that other people are super scared of doing. A lot of people back home when I left, all the times that they told me, don't leave, you're going to end up coming back to the island. It's their insecurities. They're not, you know, they're... It's not, it's what they believe in themselves, not what you believe. Mm -hmm. So I think taking the leap of faith and going, making sure, right, that you have a little, a little bit of like money in, in your pocket just in case. But at the end of the day, go step out of that comfort zone. You're not going to regret it. If you really believe in yourself and you go at it, great things can happen. And I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I, 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 I agree a hundred percent. Um, so, I mean, so for our listeners, so, you know, before we end the show, uh, Marita, we actually have like, we asked three questions, sure. uh, three random questions to our, to our guests. And it's, and it's, you know, for a couple of reasons, but one of the, the biggest reasons is, um, you know, for our listeners to, um, 
relate to you on a personal level. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all, you know, we all have similar likes and similar dislikes, no matter how much money we have in the bank account. So, um, you know, so that's why we, I like to ask these three questions. So do, uh, you, are you ready for these questions? Yeah, let's do awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. So the first question is, um, what is your favorite like TV show um, oh, that you watch? That's <laughs> that a good are, one. Or that you like so, to binge watch? You know, I, I watched this like, I don't even know how long. Uh, <laughs> so the, the show is Friends, but I Friends. love Friends because it's been in my life in so many times of, of in different seasons of your life, right? Like, when I was young, I watched it the first time and I was just like, this show is just great. It's just, it's just hilarious. And I remember when I was down and when I felt alone in San Francisco, I would put on friends and it would make me feel better. And then I got married and someone made a toast that included the show and the toast. It's just by far my favorite show because it's really kind of made me close with other people. And that's why I binge watch it all the time. Nice, nice. So did they include it in the toast intentionally or was it yeah, just no, like they random? They, they knew that oh, I was okay. a fan and, and my <laughs> wife was a fan, so they included it and it was a really nice touch. And, you know, and to this day, that show means a lot to me. So nice, I nice. watch it all the time. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. So, all right. Second question. Um, what is a favorite, like, what is a favorite book um, that you've read in the past um, or a book that you would re- always recommend to somebody to read? There's so many. There's so many. So I'm reading, I'm reading one now called Essentialism. Mm. And basically the author talks about not overcommitting and just being very intentional to what you do. I think a lot of times and as entrepreneurs and creatives and influencers do, they get involved in so many projects and then they overpromise and underdeliver. So it's basically putting in a table everything you're doing and what really brings value and what you're passionate about and focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So I think that one's really good. But also Mark Cuban's book is so easy to read mm-hmm. and it's so great to understand where where he came from and the things that he built mm-hmm. that I think if you're looking to go into entrepreneurship and you think that you can do it, reading that one is a really good way to start too. I think I read his book. I'm, I'm not sure if he has more than one, but I, I did read like, read like a small book he had. It was on Kindle. What, what's the, what is the name yeah, of the book? The, um, the Sport of Business, I think. Sport of Business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great that book. Really yeah, that's a great book. All right. Awesome. And then um, I like the, so I like Secrets of a Millionaire Mind by T. Harp Oh, yep. That's a pretty good book. And uh, Tony Robbins. I like, I follow some of his stuff as well. Oh, yeah. That guy inspires you 24-7. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the last question is, who is your favorite artist? Um, uh, you know, who do you got bumping in the car right now? You know, if you're going on the way to work or an appointment or interview. <laughs> so if I, yeah, no, if I, so if I have to get pumped up, um, David Guetta is probably is that one reg- of the, is yeah. that reggaeton, reggaeton? No, so David Guetta is like, um, like Calvin Harris and, you know, kind of that, um, I don't know, electronic music, if you want to call okay. it that. Um, but probably one of my favorite bands is a Spanish rock band called La Secta because when I was kind of having my own little band and, you know, do my thing in Puerto Rico with music, they were local and they, they played everywhere. They're in Spotify. People actually want to listen to them, but, um, the, the story of how they actually created their band is pretty sick. Like they started just playing in random bars in the Island to the point where eventually they moved into doing things in Florida and it was just a very small band. They started probably had like five people following them and listening wow. to them. And eventually they grew into something 
great. And I think I like them because I, I was kind of part of that. When they started, they were, I was probably in high school. Right. So, and I followed them like early on. And um, it's something from my hometown that when I listen to it, when I'm here, I feel like I'm still in Puerto Rico. So it kind of gives you a little bit of peace. Right, right. And, so, and you're one of, and also you're one of the like original, the OG fans, you yeah. know what I mean? You've been there, you've been there from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I have like a frame in my office somewhere where it has like three guitar picks and they were from concerts that I would go and they would just throw them to me. So wow. they would know me already. I was always be like, <laughs> you're raising my hand and they would just throw me the guitar picks. So nice. yeah, it's like a little piece of home when I listen to them. Nice, nice, nice. All right, Marita. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, man. Thank you for uh, sharing your story, man. I think you have a powerful, powerful uh, uh, story. You know what I mean? And a lot of people can will be able to relate. Um, I definitely, uh, you know, just hearing your story definitely motivates me. Um, you know, we have a few similarities. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, this, this you know, that, that your, your message and your, your story and your journey is important for people to hear because a lot of people, they do give up, you know, they're not as, unfortunately, they're not as um, strong to keep pursuing their dreams or they have a lot of negativity in their life, you know what I mean, whether it's their whoever it is, their significant other, their mom, their dad, or whoever, just, you know, very discouraging them, you know, and just causing them to stay stagnant instead of going out there and, you know, chasing their dreams. So, um, you know, thank you for, for sharing that with us. And uh, do you have any any parting words before, before we uh, wrap this up? No, I, I agree with everything you said. And, you know, thank you for having me here. It was, it was so much fun. And um, episode one of my podcast covers the story in more detail. So if anyone's interested, feel okay. free. And one more time to get a hold, if anybody wants to reach out to you or uh, follow you uh, in your journey, how do they yeah. reach you? Uh, turningpointpodcast.com has everything from Spotify to iTunes, all the links, a little bit on my story, and it links you back to Instagram. So if you awesome. go there, that's probably the source of truth. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. All right, Marita. Peace. Uh, but before I let you guys go, I have just have two favors that I ask of you guys. One, if you can leave us a review, it'll really help us out. And two, if you could follow us on social media and share this episode with your family and friends and make sure you tag me so that way I can give you guys a repost. OK, so I won't take up much of your guys time. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.